Welcome to Live to Grind. My name is Brennan T. Adams, serial entrepreneur, inventor, TV creator, and speaker, passionate about helping others create something great and become unforgettable. Join me each week to discuss practical ways to help you increase your income and impact as an influencer in your industry. My goal is to help you take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the Live to Grind podcast show. I'm Brennan C. Adams, and on today's show, we have Zach Miller with Hatch. Zach and I talk deep, I'm telling you, deep into putting on events. Like, we had a great conversation here. This is two people that are in the event industry that share their stories about how to put on an event, how to get sponsors, even up to $50,000 sponsors, the things you don't do and you should do, how to market your event. Heck, he even shares about how he was going to put on an event He only sold 30 tickets to it, and he had $50,000 invested into it. In the last minute, he had to call the event off. He was out 50 grand. He shares what he learned from that experience and how he applies it today. Then we just talk the obstacles in business, how to overcome them, specifically in the event field, in the space, putting on events, how to monetize events and get people in the room. And some reasons why most people don't make it in business. And we talk about the three feet from gold scene in Think and Go Rich. I mean, three feet from gold. You just got to keep going. Most people give up. And as he explains, most people, they don't get to the point where they're close to gold and make that tweak or have that team with them to be like, hey, you need to go in this direction so you can get to that gold. Most people don't work hard enough or long enough to be able to see a little bit of success. They just stop. You have to keep going. You just keep going. I really enjoyed this show. Like this was so much fun. I'm looking forward to um, connecting with Zach Moore and even is a TV host. He actually every Sunday or in the weekends, he's on a a show where he has 25,000 people that watch it, which builds up his profile. And quite honestly, why I agreed first to have him on the show is because he's a TV host. And, uh, And here's a good lesson to be learned here. He, I got pitched 24 hours ago, literally 24 hours before he came on, and I saw his story and everything else, and I usually don't take pitches, but it showed that he was a TV host, and some of the things he's working on, I could relate, but the fact when you're a TV host, it makes you stand out. It builds your credibility. That's why, with me being a host of Ambitious Adventures and even from creating my own show, it's powerful. For you, think about creating your own show. Zach's done it. It's definitely made him a very influential entrepreneur. And you're going to love this show. You're going to get a lot out of this. But before we jump into it, I got to ask you a question. What are you doing right now to build your personal brand? Really, what are you doing? Your brand is everything. And what we do at Acceler Media Group is we help you build your personal brand through influence, through creating video content, through pictures, through all the content that you need to be able to see as an influencer in your industry. You don't have to be an influencer across the world. Like Just be the top guy in your industry, whether that's real estate, whether that is in financial investments, whether that is in, heck, if you're a plumber or if you're an artist or whatever it is you're in, you need to become an influencer in your industry. You need to build your personal brand. And that's what we do with Accelerate Media Group through your video, through whether it's podcast podcasting through the direction what our team can give you to help you grow your brand we're here to do it for you so check out accelerantmediagroup.com i'm looking forward to seeing all the things you have going on and see if we can help you build your brand and be the influencer that you are born to be so let's jump into this show have a little fun learn about events and talk with zach miller let's get started 
Welcome back to the Live to Grind podcast show. I'm Brennan T. Adams, and on my show today, we have, and by the way, this is this is random. I, I usually, just to put out there, I usually don't take pitches for podcast shows, hardly ever. And I took this one, and I even replied back. I said, you know what, Zach is a badass. I'll bring him on tomorrow. So <laughs> today we have Zach Miller. Zach, how you doing, my man? Doing awesome. Dude, this is I, I like I like to be the outlier. You are you seriously you were and honestly the email that was structured like it was pretty long but I read it and it, it said the things you're doing but it, it, there was relation because you are on TV you do TV and events and I'm like ah I I gotta have this guy and I I'm excited to talk about your company for Hatch I'm excited to learn more about events and everything you have going on and and what you have going on in your business today but can you start where did you get started as an entrepreneur your first like beginning or where you first learned how to make money. Yep. So uh, I, like most kids, uh, had an allowance but grew up in a, uh, in an area that was pretty wealthy, but my family was not on the wealthy side of that. And so um, talking to my mom years later, I learned that she was making $27,000 a year. She was a single mom, three kids living in one of the fastest growing suburbs of, of, of D.C. and Northern Virginia. But I got, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks a month for, uh, for doing chores around the house. And yeah. um, I would have to mow my lawn. My lawnmower broke. And my grandma, around my 10th birthday, sent me 100 bucks. And I was like, huh, I, I have this skill. I can mow lawns. I can m- mow my own lawn and make 15, <laughs> 20 bucks a month. Or my neighbor whose lawn clearly needs to be mowed, I can knock on his door and say, hey, give me 10 bucks, give me 15 bucks. And so I took that uh, money and bought a, a lawnmower. Started a business. It was called a guy in a rake. I <laughs> I got some clip art uh, business cards. I, I wish I could still find these, but I can't. <laughs> uh, but I'd go around, and if the person wasn't home, I'd just leave the business card on their door, and then they would call me and probably made several thousand dollars. You know, I wanted video games and, and candy at that point. I'm 10 years old. and um, So that was kind of my first taste of entrepreneurship, and um, uh, I look back at that a lot and say, you know, all you have to do is find out who that target customer is and, and ask them what their pain points are. And a lot of times, uh, people make business um, seem a lot more difficult than it is. Uh, and they they try to uh, make the process a lot more difficult than it needs to be. And it's like, hey, like your lawn needs to be mowed. I have that skill. Are you willing to pay for it? I can help it? you. Yeah. It, knocking on that door is the first thing. As a, as a ten year old though, you don't care. You're not afraid. You're just like, oh, I want that money. I want I, you know, it's probably a PlayStation One at that point. So I'm like, oh, I want a PlayStation, you know. And I, my parents can't afford to give it to me, but I can, I can afford to make that uh, or pay for that if if I make enough money. So okay, you did the lawn mowing. I, I remember as a kid, I knocked on doors for like St. Jude's Bikeathon. I was doing Boy Scouts popcorn, all these different things. You're right. Like we don't fear anything. We're just like, let's make some money. Yeah. But what was your first? real let's say attempt and i'm not saying the lawnmower business wasn't but for a business where you were really starting to make money or you really learned something from a big failure yeah so um back in 2010 uh i had gotten out of my uh journalism career and i was uh helping grow kind of a technology software company and we started helping grow these these early, everyone had ideas for apps at this point yeah. and, um, became a partner in one of these businesses. And, uh, it was an autism app that taught children how to, um, how to learn how to talk and, and, and learn yeah. what different kind of letters were and everything. And, um, it was really interesting. It was, um, at one point 
being downloaded by hundreds of different countries and um, some really interesting facts early on in the world. And um, working with this guy, I understood that there are some real challenges in not only getting an app out, but also just in business in general. And that maybe there was something that um, I could I could do to help that. And so I started calling some of my entrepreneur friends and started hosting kind of meetups to to learn to learn more basically for myself. It just so happened that other people needed that help as well. And um, put myself, immersed myself into a position where I could learn as much from other people, but I would just be the host, if you will. Be the guy that's putting it all on. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that gives you an authority status. It, it's, it's something that most people don't do. And if it's kind of a free meetup, and you're just trying to learn from others, it's a really easy way to buy a case of beer and get a lot of people to look at you. And so very quickly, people were like, who is this guy? But they were coming to my office, and I'm like, oh, this is, this is interesting. Let's, let's do more of this. Um, from a failure perspective, I mean, I think my biggest failure was trying to put on an event, uh, a national conference called Drop Anchor. We had, this is like 2013, been putting on this build a company in a weekend competition. Yeah. Those were going okay. We were getting some customers from there. But I think the biggest challenge was we thought those customers were the same as this national conference customer, and they were completely different. And so I, I learned a lot about contracts. I learned a lot about um, the, how well how bad marketing can be if you can't <laughs> get something on. So I think we needed to sell like 600 tickets. We sold 30. Um, the price was shit. The price was wrong. The venue was too big. Just uh, er, like you know, in your gut, sometimes when something is is going wrong, and for months leading up, I have this feeling, and I'm like, this is not going well. Yet, uh, I kept going with it, and then I remember, like two or three weeks beforehand, I was at a new restaurant with um, with my girlfriend at the time, now fiance, and um, I was like, I can't even. It's like my birthday dinner, and I, I'm like, I can't even think about what I'm supposed to to do with this event or uh, I can't even think about my birthday and celebrate this, this, this food that was awesome. And I'm sitting there going, what the hell am I going to do? And so I, I woke up that next morning and wrote an email to a couple of people that were, um, uh, associates, I guess. And I was, I, I think the email was WTF are we going to do? And so we tried calling some people quickly to buy some tickets and we just recognized that it wasn't going to happen. And I think like $50,000 was lost, something like that. So we canceled the event we you cancel still, it. You cancel it. You still have contracts with people and you still have to pay them. Oh, I know. Oh. Um, and I think that was a mistake. Like we still should have brought those people in cause we were paying for them. Yeah. But I was cocky at that time and everything was working. So there was no downtime at all for like three years and things were going really, really well. And so it was, people, our customers were telling us, Hey, we want you, we want you to do this thing. We want you to put on this event with all these people. And I'm like, cool, let's do it. And just not really thoroughly understanding what was involved in that. Um, and so it's, just, it's a challenge. So you put the money down for the venue and everything else. And you realize that, hey, we only have 30 tickets sold. We're not going to get the people in the room. And you yeah. just said you called it off. Had to. What, what did you say to the people that had bought their tickets, just refunded them? Yeah, so that's another thing too. So I think those are three hundred dollar tickets. So that's three hundred times thirty. So I came nine thousand dollars. So you know you have to then put that money back out, but you've already spent that money. 
because you've done events, you know how expensive they are. Um, so we emailed people. I wrote a blog post and I was like, hey, this is what we have to do. We emailed people. Um, we did a really bad job of that apparently too because some people still showed up um, and that was not good. But it's just – it's a disaster. But here's the good thing. It was such a big disaster that no one knew about it. So it wasn't like this fire festival, right? <laughs> right? So we did such a bad job of marketing that no one knew about it. So it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean emotionally it was, it was a big deal to me. So I have credit card space. I start spending money on these credit cards and you know, it's just one thing layering on another and you just, you just learn from that. And then you realize, okay, you got, you, you have to really understand what you're doing. And what, what were you doing to market it at the time? Oh my, um, I have Facebook ads. I just call emails, um, just general social media. Um, and what we should have been doing is really understanding who our target customer was, yeah. which was corporations that were looking to um, teach kind of entrepreneurship and leadership into the different businesses and sell them tables of tickets, basically. Yeah. Uh, instead, we were selling one-offs. And so if we would have been able to take those 30 people and in, instead gone to 30 businesses and got 20 tickets each, we would have, we would have been able to, to produce it. But we didn't recognize that until that day I sent that email and it was too late. Did you have speakers committed? Oh, yeah, like 10 or 12. I remember like a, a, year uh, a year or two ago, I looked for some reason just reminiscing on the great times. And I was like, let's, let's look at this lineup. And I was like, damn, that was a pretty solid lineup. And it's just we in our area aren't super entrepreneurial. Yeah. And so those people nationally were known, but we were still on the, uh, on the, uh, on the come up from a – from a region perspective on kind of starting businesses and stuff. And so people didn't know who these people were. And so nationally they might have been good speakers, but locally people were like, I, I don't know who that person is. So we were doing a very, very poor job of storytelling and why these people would have been, a, been good. And, um, all those things I think we've remedied now and, and can tell those stories. But I mean, in 2013, we, we weren't ready. What, in what city was this event going to be in? Uh, so downtown Norfolk. So where, where we are, how big is your town? So the immediate town is like 250,000, but the region is 1.7 million people. Okay. Um, so Virginia Beach is the next city over. It's got the three largest cities in the state of Virginia. Um, lacks density, a lot of military, um, and not a lot of huge businesses. So I can relate I, because my our first year we put on an event called Young Onsberg Convention. And I had this vision to put this on. I, I didn't even really ask like what people – I just went with it. But I found out I was in Des Moines, Iowa – for one, most people are like, why, they wonder why they're going to Iowa. That's where I was from. And two, like we had John Lee Dumas on to run fire. People knew him in the online world, but nobody really local. Some people did. Um, and it was a pure grind. It was like trying to get people to fly over the country to come to Iowa. But then we had got Kevin Harrington, and then we could mm. show the, the Shark Tank approach, Shark Tank. which helped. But it was tough. I mean – it. It was tough to get people in the room. Anybody that puts on events, as you know, it's hard to get butts in the seats. It's hard to get people there. Especially from a perspective where you're trying to get someone there for multiple days. Yeah. I think – and we've done, we've done a smaller event to try and build up to maybe a national conference again. Um, but getting people to commit to days is difficult. And sometimes the financial piece is, is, isn't as big of a burden than saying – Two days off from work, maybe I have to fly there. Yeah. What am I going to lose from this? And, you know, looking back, we, we've learned strategies now where you can get your 
company to pay for it, if you will. Um, But if we're selling to entrepreneurs, and this is in a very, in 2013, very entrepreneurial area, and we need 600 people, and there's only a handful of startups, we did a really bad job of assuming that we could get those people in and didn't counter that with um, selling tickets, like I said, in bulk to, to different businesses to try and convince them to do things. So out of that experience, by the way, this is the coolest like story you could tell. Like this is a story that needs to be told more and more and more because everybody sees all the events that are going on. I mean, this is the ultimate nightmare for somebody for an event, but you obviously learned so much from it. That's going to help you with so many other events moving forward. So what would be your biggest take? I know you mentioned some of them, like biggest takeaways from this experience for events and how when you put on events now, what things you do differently? So we hire we now hire an event coordinator who is you could relate that to like you're good at mowing lawns but you're not good at selling that business to get people to mow those lawns yeah right and so that um event coordinator knows all of those things and so they can look at us and say hey here are the things that you need to be thinking about here's where you can make money here's how you can do sponsors here's how you can do all that stuff and so it's just a really good deep dive into an event where before we we had put on events but we didn't know how to put on an event yeah and so that that's helped a lot um now we do an event called the stay the start community address a couple hundred people come to that um this company executive events does basically everything and then my team shows up and we put on the event and so you have to pay for those type of services, but it, it helps a lot to have someone who is – that's what they're good at doing that thing. Do they find the sponsors and sell the tickets for you? No, we still do that. But yeah. they'll kind of talk through just general numbers and what you need. And since they work with a lot of other events too, they give us kind of creative ideas and what some other people are doing. And I think that's another thing is understanding what other events are doing across the world and yeah. how you can – copy that model, if you will. And so if someone, if we were selling a sponsorship for a thousand bucks, but other people, that exact same company was spending $10,000 for something less, we're doing a bad job. And so it's almost having a a gauge or a meter saying, okay, this is, this is the standard. Let's make sure that we are also hitting that standard, um, so that we can get that money too. So what are the best ways in some ways you don't actually like monetize in that moment or within that month of the event. But what are some best ways you found out? I'm just curious because, because I, from my experiences, there's some things most people don't see where you can make a lot of money. Uh, what have been the best ways you've monetized your events or you found out to be very uh, lucrative? So sponsors can be big checks. You talk to the right company, they can write easy four and five figure checks. Um, I don't think you really make a lot of money on ticket sales. Um, I think that's that's the challenge. You know, you're trying to yeah. you're trying to get a number so that those sponsors are like, hey, this is this is lucrative enough for us to want to be there. Because ultimately, a sponsor is buying in your brand, and they want the people that are associated with your brand or that target customer. Um, so, sponsorship is a great thing. If you have a product or a service, you, you're using that conference as kind of deal flow for that. Um, I think that's been okay for us. Um, we ran some of our numbers recently and. Some, some quick math is let's say we host a conference just from ticket sales and we have 30 people attend those 30 people uh, pay 30 bucks to attend this. Let's just say it's a lunch, a lunch, um, a lunch conference where people are, one person's kind of giving a talk. And so that's 900 bucks. Yep. If we have a membership platform, which we do, it's called 1004. It's 30 bucks a month for that. 
So we acquire 30 new people for that. It's $10,800 for one year, and that's usually how, how long people will stay for, uh, at least a year. And so we're losing $9,900 by putting on that event instead of trying to recruit those people just directly into our kind of membership platform. And so sometimes I think we are using events to create deal flow and, and be that authority when it might not actually be a great uh, – it might be a huge loss leader, um, and it might actually not – be a good leader financially at all. And so some of the events that we're doing, we've, we've cut back on because we're like, hey, this actually isn't helping us. Only 10% of the attendees are actually customers, yet we thought we were gonna, going to be able to acquire all these people. Sometimes bigger isn't always better. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it. I've put on events much smaller. I mean, I just had one this weekend. We spent, I won't say exactly, we spent a good amount of money just for the weekend like Mastermind. But that was very a lot more profitable than doing a 500 event, 500 person event, and it was much easier. I mean, we planned in three weeks, and for the event I do every year, Young Entrepreneur Convention, I mean, 500 people—that's a lot of logistical things to do. I mean, it's fun. There are benefits, and you do look like the influencer in your city. But also, dude, 500 people coming from all over the country. It's it's it it helps from that authority status. It helps give you yeah. credibility. But ultimately, when you're so you, I don't know how many people are at your mastermind. Let's just say it's ten. Like those ten yep. people are your like yep. they're your super customers. Yeah. And so you can really dive into them and emotionally, which is something I, I think a lot of us don't talk enough about, is emotionally that that makes a huge impact. And so that you're creating really long relationships with those people. Where there's people who have attended our events that just because we've We've hosted probably tens of thousands of people now. Like, I don't know everyone. Yeah. And I, and I don't know that I love that. And so, like, that sucks to be like, oh, you went to – like, I met someone the other day and he was like, oh, I went to your event. And I'm like, oh, you, you did? It, or you see someone walking down the street with your shirt and you're like, oh, I didn't know you went to my event. Like, and, and you want to have that relationship. And so sometimes it's, it is it is about being able to, to, to have that in, in a smaller manner. I appreciate you say that because – I've, I've, so my, like, there's that many people there. I don't have time to talk to everybody and I MC my events. So it's, it's hard. You got a lot of things going on. And some people are like, yeah, we met at your event. And, like they show us a picture and I don't remember because there's so many people and I want to personally interact with everyone. So the downside of having a really big event is you, you physically can't go up and make a like interaction with every single one. Well, and then people are like, oh, well, you're a jerk. You just want, and I'm like, uh, I mean, you, you can't, you just can't meet with everyone you, can't. And you, you, you try, but it's, it's very difficult. So what out of the, all the events you've done, what has been your favorite one? And mm-hmm. then what has been like one of the most unique, like awesome moments. And I'll share mine after because this, again, I really like this. So, so what has been your most unique no- moment that you'll never forget that I don't, whether it was like something happened, some random thing happened at the event or something fun. What was that? And then what was probably your most favorite events to date? So, see the championship belt behind me? Yeah, I do. Um, (laughs) So, uh, we do an event every year called the State of the Startup Community Address where we focus on our specific region and kind of tell our – the good, the bad, and the ugly that's happened in our area in the last year. And it's a very unique event. No one else in the world does it. 
And it's kind of our state of the union or state of the city where we're like, oh, this is what we're doing. It's a celebration of businesses and everything. And so that's the best event. A couple hundred people attend that. It's a lot of fun. Um, I get up there, act like I'm the president of the United States and you know, <laughs> give, give my thoughts on, on what our area looks like. But um, we learned uh, at our first one by accident um, that in our slide decks, we started talking about uh, Freddie Mercury from uh, the band Queen and how we are the champions and how we need to champion more businesses. And so we came up with this. Um, um, a client of mine bought me that belt about a year ago. And he's like, you guys are such big champions of small businesses. Uh, I wanted you to have this belt. I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And so we built a campaign around kind of being the champions of businesses. And so this past year, we got a custom belt made and gave out, uh, we did uh, um, like nominations for awards and uh, we decided that we were going to give out the Small Business Championship Award. And instead of just a piece of glass that just says someone's name and etched, we got a custom belt made and we gave it to this business, 757 Makerspace. So this is a local focused event. Um, and by giving that belt out, I mean, it was really cool to, to see something like that. And um, that person had attended one of our events, um, Start Norfolk, like four years before. And to see that full cycle, then be nominated and then winning this award and becoming the first champ, that was, that was a cool thing. See, that, that's what it's about. It's not even about, I mean, the money, it's cool. But like, those are the cool things you never forget. If you do things for a long time and you make a big impact and you help people, the money will come. Right. I think all too often businesses are doing short term business models and they aren't thinking of the long term. And so from a frequency standpoint, everything that we do, everything that we buy is from a company that's really old for the most part. Right. You got Apple iPhone, uh, Apple uh, headphones, this blue snowball that I'm using, your microphone, the company there is probably 5, 10, 15 years old. You know, Apple's decades old. And so most of the things that we use on a daily basis have longevity, have, have a frequency standpoint. And most businesses are quitting too early because they're just not, they're not getting to that momentum. They're, they're not getting to that point in their business where people know about them for a long time. And so we're seven years old now. And it's just, it, it, those things take time. It takes time to learn. And it, it's overnight success, years in the making. I love that whole concept. And you're right. Most people don't get through the shit to get to the point where the good stuff comes. You have to and go that, through without making money for so long. The shit is not fun. <laughs> it's not fun, but it's it's something you can over a podcast show or a bonfire tell a story. And it's honestly like I look some of the shit that went through, and it's it's still as entrepreneur you're always having obstacles, but you appreciate things more. Well, I think so. At one point, I'm 50k in, in credit card debt, um, and the one of these cards, like forty thousand of it, is at twenty five percent interest, uh-huh. and so I'm trying to pay this off. Uh. And, you know, people, I, I talk to some friends and, and other business owners and like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, look, there's, there's nothing else I can do except get through this because yeah. I'm not interested in starting, uh, going and working for someone, which I think is actually a double negative. So you're already in this super debt. You're trying to get out of it. You know, you try and call the credit card companies be like, Oh, can you reduce this rate? And they're like, no. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to find a way and, you know, hustle your way through it and figure out how you can, how you can continue to, to get through that. Because if you can get through it, you've learned a lot through that, that situation, which will help you in the future. And, and so people are like, well, what are you going to do? Like, you just have to push through. And no matter what, if you believe in it, you have real traction on it, 
you, you have a community of people, you'll, you'll get through it. It's just, you have to put your mind to it. And if you really love it, you, you can't worry about those, those, that crazy financial piece. Cause $50,000 at some point you're like, well, that was nothing. I know it, it, it's just a couple deals away. Sure. It's, it's a couple one. of months. It's a couple of sponsors. Yeah, it's one good sponsor away if you if you host an event, and um, it's it's convincing someone to do that. So, what did you do to get out so quick? Well, I wouldn't say it was so quick. Um, <laughs> um, so, we started a membership platform, started selling that. We would do more events, um, sell sponsorships to that, and then um, would do like annual contracts or annual sponsorships with people, so we could package a lot of things together to then make something a lot more lucrative. Annual sponsorship, does that mean for all the events that you do, they have some kind of component? In yeah. It? Yeah. So from a frequency standpoint, you know, you, you sponsor one event, hopefully you get some sort of recognition from it. It's difficult. We learned that it's difficult for companies to do that. And so there's a reason why you keep seeing the same ads over and over again. And so the same thing can be said for sponsorship. So how can we take that kind of same mindset and say, okay, we're going to do four quarterly uh, events. We'll give you, uh, we do a, a, a once a week coffee meetup. And then our big event, the State of the Startup Community Address, you can get all that for, I don't know, twenty-five dollars to $50,000. Um, but because all that package is together, they're like, oh, this is, you, Makes sense. your numbers add up and, and it's, it, it helps a lot. It's a numbers game, man. I mean, the more people you can reach. What, what's the biggest sponsor you've got? $50,000. Fucking kudos to you, man, dude. That's a that's a that's a good number. I I have not got a fifty thousand dollars sponsor yet. And so, what was the key in that? What? And you don't obviously share who it was, but like, what was the key to get that sponsor? Like, what was the main points that they wanted to see for them to be able to drop that kind of money? So, um, a very long relationship. It took me eighteen months to get them to even attend an event. Yeah. <laughs> and and then once they did, I then had to convince them. Uh, we actually lost them once because um, oh. I – this is actually a good lesson too. So around that same time of Drop Anchor, we had invested in some companies. We were supposed to, and they had invested in some of these companies. And so we were supposed to have like a, um, a board meeting, if you will. And uh, I had to cancel it because two of those companies, two of the five companies were, uh, called me that morning. were like, we have to cancel. And that company got pissed. So the sponsor, this the investor was pissed. And, um, they were like, this is a joke where this is a waste of money. And I'm like, Oh my God. And so that was like, I'm like, Oh, like, how? like they were about to write us a, um, a $25,000 check. And I basically lost that because someone else had to cancel and I had to cancel and they were pissed. And that was painful. Uh, cause at the time that's, you know, financially where we were going through a lot of trouble and, um, to hear that, that was not fun. Um, so then we lost that money. But uh, afterwards, I emailed this person. I was like, hey, you know, I'm wrong. I, I manned up and said, you know, I'm wrong and we need to fix this. And um, can we meet to talk about what are some things that um, you would like to see better? And so it was communication, right? It, and I think communication fixes most things. And so uh, we, we fixed that. And then um, we, I think six months later, got them. And then every year for the last few years, have been able to recycle them. Um, I think they're looking for... Um, brand awareness. They're able to see us help them grow so they can't be as risky, but we can. And so they like that. And we're a young, hip company. Yeah. And they can associate with something like that. Um, you know, there's obviously 
from a quantity standpoint things that they want to see, but it, it's more about brand awareness for them or us being able to bring things to the table that they have not been able to. So, what, but not every not every sponsor is like that. You know, so so if somebody's looking to put on an event, what would be your best advice for them for trying to find sponsors that approach them? Yeah, so a lot of people are going to want to see something that's proven first. So that, that that's a challenge. So see if you it can is. do a small a, a smaller piece to it first that doesn't really cost you any money to show that you had some sort of that that you're going to be able to do it. So we were able to do that a little bit, I think. Um, so small test to say, oh, you know, we're going to give you this at you know for free or something like that to then hopefully get you a bigger check later. So you're you're basically taking the risk of knocking you're getting them forever hopefully and not just once also understand that there's a lot of places that have huge budgets to do stuff like this so your traditional service providers banks um find the biggest company in your backyard the fastest growing company stuff like that those people have budgets where they're spending money figure out what their keyword or buzzword is that they're trying to really fix or work on and leverage the crap out of that word. And so for us in our community, and so we started as a local company and now we're a national brand, um, was they were trying to fix jobs in this area. So I would just use the word jobs a lot. Yeah. And they were like, oh, this kid knows what he's talking about. I didn't know what I was talking about. But I used that key word and it, it got me into the door. It is so fucking hard to get sponsorship for an event that has not happened yet. It is, it is, and my best advice, and you can sh- like, so when we put on our first event and we're like, we're going to have, I said a thousand people there, it's 500, but still, which our first event, I never put one on besides my senior party back home. Ah. <laughs> and I just found out people who had done it and said, what do you do? And I leveraged past relationships with other companies and said, here's our vision. We'd love to have you a sponsor, but here's where we're going to be three years from now. And we raised the money. It helped after we got the deal committed from Kevin Harrington. But I'll tell you this. When we committed that deal, we had yet the money to pay for it. <laughs> Did you have to pay him to come to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we had to pay him. We, had, we actually we learned. So our first year, half of our expenses – I can't share all the details. We have partners. But like half – so the, the amount of money that we spent, half of it was on speakers. And we spent yeah. a lot of money. Now I know it's like – Dude, I very little will we spend, but that is what made people look. Oh, these guys are the real deal. They have at that time the season one of Shark Tank. It was a name, and yeah. given he hadn't been on Shark Tank in a while, but it was credibility. Everybody knew it. So when you're first going into something, like you said, maybe you just start smaller because it's hard. Oh well, come back next year is what they would say. Come back next year, or what about your year before? We didn't have a year before. This is our first event. Believe in our vision, which is hard to believe in a vision when you don't have numbers. Sure. Well, I think another way that you can do it too is grandfather them in at a lower number as well. Yes. And so like, hey, look, this is a five-year plan. We're going to go from here to here to here. If you come in now, we're going to give you this five-year contract. You only have to give us it once, but we're going to keep you in for the next five years or three years or whatever at $5,000, $10,000, when other companies are going to be paying thirty, dollars $50,000 to that as well. And another thing from – like we've had to pay a lot of speakers as well. Um, sometimes it's not just cash. Sometimes they want other things associated. Oh, we want you to buy you know 300 of our books. And that actually gets expensive as well. We want you to pay for our airfare. We want you to pay for our hotel. I remember with Drop Anchor, we were trying to get Tony Shea from Zappos. Oh, and, nice. um 
So I think he was like $25,000. But then there was this list of other things he wanted to. They equaled like, like five grand probably. <laughs> who uh, – will you buy our book? How is he getting to and from the airport? What meals will you be providing? Uh, will you be um, uh, putting on uh, his socks and shoes for him? Like all – like all, not socks and shoes. Joke, but, but Yeah, I know. But – you're, you're going on this list and you're like, geez, not only is it costing me $25,000, which, by the way, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for. Yeah. Then there's this list of all this other crap. And, I mean, he, he I respect him. He, he clearly if – you, if you can get someone to pay you $25,000, like, absolutely do it. But then there's all these other things. I was like, damn, this is, this is ridiculous. Plus – Here I am just trying to build this thing. Yeah. And now this guy wants this plus, like – he wants me to basically buy Uber for him for a month. And like, I mean, so, sometimes you have to find because there's certain people that money, money doesn't really matter so much. Is what can you do for them that in the long run will actually make them more money? So one thing I found valuable is saying, "Hey, I will make sure to connect you with this person where I think there's opportunity for you guys to make a business deal." Which certain opportunities there is that. Well, we did our last one is we filmed it all and we said for you being there, we're gonna film your keynote, but also you're gonna get part to be in our show, which was actual value. So figuring out ways that you can leverage from your own assets that doesn't cost you as much money. But it again, it's hard. There's certain people, it's like, what's their pain point too? Maybe you can donate $10,000 to their charity and get them to come in. I mean, be creative, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just figuring out, asking questions. Most people don't ask questions. And I mean, that's, that's one question. of the biggest, that's the biggest thing I've ever learned is like, if you want an action to happen, like make that thing happen. So what, like you, you want, I want you to be, uh, at my next event. Well, are you interested? You know, what, what do you typically do? What is it going to take yeah. for you to come to my next event? All too often people think that this like step A to B is very simple. Well, no, it's, it's a crazy roller coaster back and forth and it's, you, you don't know what you don't know. And so just because one person worked one way doesn't mean that everyone else is going to work that way as well. So, so what are you doing now? Like, what is your next steps? Uh, what are some big things you're working on or where's the future? Some of the things you're doing. So we've actually backed off on a lot of our events, um, yeah. to focus, um, on our membership platform. Uh, so we're, we're, we're doing that. Um, I'd written a book a few years ago. We're rewriting that book now, um, to try and get in front of those people. We, we have a platform that we sell direct to, um, communities and to different entrepreneurs across the, the country and the world. And, it's just trying to figure out what are the words or the pain points that are in different – in Des Moines, Iowa that are yeah. going to convert someone for a product that's based in Norfolk, Virginia. And so it's – you take this local thing that you built that was exclusively supposed to be local and now you realize, oh, there's a lot bigger market for it. Yeah. And you can really make a big impact in that kind of way using the things that you've learned. And um, it's just – Expand you know, it. It's – yeah, expand it and, and and helping a crap ton of people. So you have a morning show. Is it every Sunday you do? Yep. How has that made an impact on just your brand and who you are in your city? I think it's added a ton of credibility. So 25,000 people watch it a week. Nice. Um, during that whole process, I mean, it's interesting how I even got on the show. I was trying to sell a different business to the TV station. And they balked at that idea. They, they didn't like that idea, but um, said, hey, we're thinking about starting this uh, weekly business TV show. Do you know who could be the host? Not asking me to be the host. Saying, oh, who, who in your network could be the good host? And I was like, let's look around at my buddy next to me, and I just raised my hand. <laughs> and the, I love telling this story because the lady who's the president of the TV station across from me just looks at me like, 
oh hell no this the no chance <laughs> no chance so i'm in jeans and a t-shirt and she's like she's just like no this is this is, and i then he says something like oh he's he's got such a following this could be great this this would be a, a great opportunity and she you could just tell she was like no and so i just kept hustling i kept calling her kept emailing her and being like hey like i'm really interested in this and then like a month later she gave me a chance and kind of like a um um like a, a trial, if you will. She was like, hey, go to this event, cover this event, and um, we'll go from there. And all while finding out that back at the station, people were like, no, this can't happen. He's super risky. He did not, he's not going to wear a suit. This is going to be terrible. And so I'm doing – I do this trial run. It goes well. And um, she's like, okay, I, I guess it's not a risk. We'll, we'll, we'll put you on. And uh, we negotiated contracts and all that stuff. And, and then I go, oh, I have one more request. And I was like, I don't want to change who I am. I want to wear what I normally wear every day, which is like jeans and a t-shirt. And uh, she looked at me and she was like, okay, that, that, we, we can do that. And so I didn't have to wear a suit, which I, I own a suit, but I, I wear it once, uh, yeah. like once a year at a wedding. Same here. Um, and so it was, it was important for me to, to not um, sell out. It was important for me that I, you know, five years have built this brand and I wanted to continue to, to be myself in that. And so, um, some people hate that. That's okay. Um, I, so, you know, 25,000 people watched a week. Credibility is huge. We get to use it a lot and say, Hey, you know, I'm a TV host. It, it got me on here. Right. And so what yeah. I think oftentimes it's about, you know, take that thing and, 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 and leverage it, but also figure out ways that that thing that you're doing or a thing that you did in the past, you can use to help you down that next path. And so always be thinking forward. And so people, it's unique. Not a lot of people are TV hosts, right? So that's something that is, is something that is a selling point that people go, oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. It makes you stand <laughs> out in the crowd. It's, and that's exactly, I saw it and because I'm a TV host, we created a show and I do this podcast show, but it makes you the authoritative figure. And then I saw your stuff, by the way, I loved your blooper, <laughs> the blooper you had, mm. it was like, you, you said it wrong, you said it wrong. And then you change how you, you said your intro and the person, the girl next to you just started laughing. <laughs> it was so it, good. <laughs> I've wanted, a, so that's the only blooper reel they'll give me. I've asked for a blooper reel. Like when I first was doing this at the beginning, like I was God awful. And I was like, man, I want a blooper reel. And then so the first time that ever aired, I didn't know it was airing. And so when it airs, it, it's at the end of the show. We go like, hey, you know, thanks for watching. Bye. And then it goes to like the color bars on TV. Yeah. Where And it goes boom. And I'm like, oh, my God, he messed up. He put something in there he wasn't supposed to. And then it goes to my blooper. And I was like, oh, this is great. And so, <laughs> look, no one's perfect. I don't, it's I don't claim funny. People, it's funny as hell. And people so love I, it. I would love to do more things like that. Um, I think they could like, oh, man, I mess up all the time. And it's, it is what it is. It's it. I, it. Uh, it's fun. It, it's fun. So I, if I ever get to your neck, I've been, I don't know how far you're from Wise, Virginia. Do you know where Wise is that? You're I, in Virginia. Yep. So I think about seven hours east. So I think Wise is on the complete opposite. So funny thing, so. last fall, I was uh, doing a, a video shoot for John Lee Dumas in Puerto Rico. I had to make a last minute trip to Napoleon Hill Day in Wise, Virginia and talk about flights. Like I couldn't find <laughs> A flight near Wise, Virginia. Sure. So I think it was trans. I don't even know what it was. Tri-state, tri-city. So what I did is Yeah, because I- there's a bunch of like North Carolina, Virginia, and Tennessee <laughs> are all right there, right? Yeah. So I flew to, to Charlotte where it was supposed to connect somewhere else. I jumped off the plane, got on a – got in a rent-a-car, drove four hours. Very beautiful, by the way. 
and got yeah. to Wise Virginia like an hour before, and it was like it was so cool. But it was the middle of nowhere. I'm like, where am I? Then I drove to Nashville that night, and then the next day flew out from Nashville to Des Moines. Hmm. But uh, my experience. So that's, the, that's the thinking grow rich author. Yeah, well, the Pulling Hills offer thinking grow rich. So yeah. I was there because so we crowdfunded the the thinking grow rich legacy. So we raised 365k for the film. And the film comes out here in October. So I'm in the film, but I'm also the VP of business development who works with them with creating this. So we have like Bob Proctor, Lewis House, John Lee Dumas, uh, Darren Hardy, like all a bunch of influencers in it. But uh, they had Napoleon Hill Day and they we were going to film there because there were certain people. So Napoleon Hill's grandson was there. So we met mm -hmm. him and it was cool. But I, I didn't know how I was going to make the trip. But I figured it out. I'm just like, dude, I'll just get a rent a car. We'll get there and – um, but it was fun and it's a good story to tell. <laughs> don't, don't you love this story in there where the gold miner owns the mountain and he's like three feet away and instead of getting a second set of eyes on there, he, he sells it. And then the, the guy basically finds, three feet um, of gold. he finds someone to hire and a contractor to say, Hey, how close am I? I mean, it's just all too often people are so close and they don't let, they don't tell someone, Hey, you know, like, can you just look at this? Isn't I mean, that, it's isn't that the truth? We so we filmed the reenactment for that. Um, it's so true. I take on that every day. You're you're three feet away. You're one you, email away. You're one call away. You're one event away. When I when we created the kind of um, the mindset for Hustle City, people are like, oh, it's a twenty four seven thing, and I'm like, no, it's if you want an action to happen, go after it. And so it, stop complaining that you can't get in front of that person when you haven't even called them, you haven't emailed them, you haven't stopped them on the street. Like if you if you if you want someone if you really want to talk to someone like just give them a shout and see what happens and nothing is super quick I mean remember our biggest sponsor took eighteen months for me to get them even in the room just keep, you just can't you just can't keep quit. going keep going and get different perspectives and that's where having a mastermind of people that can give you insight and see things that you can't see or maybe you see but you need somebody to say it to be able to see it. What do you say every day? You're only three feet away. That's good. You're only three feet away. Whatever your mind conceives and believes, your mind achieves. Honestly, it's we did five episodes ago. I did one three feet from gold in Puerto Rico. My girlfriend and I were in Puerto Rico, and I did a whole show on three feet from gold. It's mm. I think everybody can take a lot away. Um, this has been a fun show, man. I if I didn't have my my meeting, my weekly mastermind in eight minutes, I would uh, have you talk more. But what where can people find you? Uh, website startwithhatch.com. Uh, so startwithhatch.com, email me, Zach, at startwithhatch.com, Z-A-C-K, or on most social um, backslash Zach Miller 84, so Z-A-C-K Miller 84. What is uh, your best advice to leave with the audience? Uh, raise your hand more. And what I mean by that is you can always say no later. So when an opportunity comes up, raise your hand because you never know where that can get you to that next step. Awesome, man. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And for everybody listening, you know what time it is. It is time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brennan C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show with Zach. Learned a lot about events. This is definitely like the Bible podcast show to listen to for anybody who want to put on an event, the obstacles you can overcome, what you can do, and just awesome to see what Zach has done in his space. Be sure to check all the notes at livetogrind.com and, and check out all the things we have on there about Zach 
and some links that we talked about on the show. I, I imagine Zach and I'll be connected up soon. Maybe I'll be heading to Virginia and talking with him and uh, maybe connecting. Maybe I'll even come on his show. Who knows? But definitely a great guy. Um, it was an honor to have him on the show. And also, speaking of events, we have a couple events that we just announced for one Young Entrepreneur Convention 2018. It is set up downtown Des Moines, April 20th and 21st in downtown Des Moines. It is happening. I'm excited for that. We just announced it. And also, later this year, we have a big event that is coming out. It is December 9th and 10th in L.A. We have December 9th and 10th in L.A. It's going to be a great event. We'll have more details soon. And be sure to follow everything we have going. Just go to AccelerantMediaGroup.com, and you can see the details of our event coming up. Mark your calendars. You better be there. And you know I'm going to bring some fire. I'm going to bring my influencer friends in, and we're going to have a group there and power and fun like we always do. We always like to have fun. So that's all I got for today's show. You know what time it is. It is time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brittany C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone.